Hey guys, welcome back to Best Practice TV. My next guest that uh, I want to introduce, I'm really excited about this topic we're going to be talking about today. Um, and we can quickly talk about what he's got on his LinkedIn and his website. He started his first business in 2004 and grew and sold it in 2012. So he's somebody you want to listen to. He's been there before. He has stepped on the stepping stones across the pond. So you can not literally across the pond because he's across the pond, um, but he has stepped on the stepping stone. So he's someone you can follow. In in 2007, he was awarded New Zealand Entrepreneur Marketer of the Year. In 2007, he was awarded a Westpac Business Awards Excellence in Marketing. Uh, his Google Ads strategy has been published by a number of Canadian universities in their textbooks in 2009. Guest lecturer at New, Zealand, New Zealand's first digital marketing diploma course in 2020. Founded Auckland Digital and created a six-figure business in 2020. Founded Potent Marketing, which you can check out. It's www.potent.marketing in 2021 to help small and medium businesses learn, grow, and scale their business. Now you can Google all that. You can find out that on his LinkedIn and on his website. So what I thought I'd share is about what you can't Google and find out about our next guest. And that is that in 2018, he placed third place, that is third place in a 74-kilometer ultra-marathon run in Taupo in New Zealand. He's a dad, which is really exciting because I'm, I'm with him on that. And I want you to finish listening to this podcast and say his famous quote, well, that was bloody worthwhile. I want to welcome Stu Lees to the Kobe Simmett Talking Business Podcast. Talking business with Kobe Simmett. Welcome, Stu. How are you? Wow. Thank you, Kobe. That was an awesome intro and you slipped in the ultra running thing. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, I think um, I do want to quickly touch on that because I, you know, I do a lot of ultra long kayak paddling myself, <clears throat> ocean racing and surf ski racing. And I think the mental toughness that comes with that crosses over into business. So talk me through oh, yeah. how do you run run 74 kilometers? Um, a lot of people will say, you know, one foot in front of the other. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but to be honest, you, you, for me, and I've only done this three times and I've been lucky enough to do well in two out of the three times that I did it. So I'm sort of, I, I like, the, I love the sport. Um, it's like having an argument in the car with yourself for, for five, six hours, right? You're just basically finding ways to solve problems of keeping moving forward as fast as you can. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That's what I find is the, yeah, the, the mentally fascinating thing. Also the training, you know, you, you go through the training and, and a lot of the training you just don't want to do. You don't want to go and run up the same hill 12 times this week. You don't want to go and do the same dumb loop of the park a few more yeah. times or, or or whatever else. And, and invariably on these races, which I really look forward to, like I get really enthusiastic, I, I have the, them in my vision all the time when I'm training for them. Invariably in the race, you're sitting there, you, or you're, you're running along, or even hobbling along, going, "What the hell are you doing here?" And, and what I find when people ask me that question is, more often I'm drawn to the moment of, you know, the the way to keep going is is to find ways to figure out that problem, to do that on the on your feet, problem solving, um, and to to you know maybe even be a bit, a bit mindful and you know, realize you asked to do this, you promise yourself you're going to do something. Yeah, it's really, really freaking hard right now in this moment, but it won't be hard later. Just keep keep going. 
you know. So yeah, uh, uh, you've, and you you've done it now, mate. You've you've hooked on to my passion, right? <laughs> we're not going to talk about business. <laughs> well, I mean, I, it, it's a it's a great segue into in, you know into being an entrepreneur, and and you know it's it's a bit cliche, really, but it's you know I see a lot of similarities. Like you've you do need that mental toughness, but here comes the great question: Do you think that you're mentally tougher now? Like, you know, as a, as an older entrepreneur, not old, but, you know, more mature entrepreneur now that you've done it a few times, I've done it a few times, I've been going 18 years myself. Do you think that, you know, you, you've, you've got the ability that while you're not as fit and agile and it takes longer to recover, do you think that you, you're better at it now? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, I yeah. think the having been through hard shit before, sorry, American audience, yep. swear words. Um, when you're facing things, those, those things in business where you're like, this is going to be awkward or this is going to be uncomfortable or this is going to be terrifying, you've just got much more confidence to keep moving forward. And I think one of those, you know, that, that is a great segue you mentioned is in business, it's usually not about the greatest ideas. It's about who can take their great idea and keep moving forward with it and keep moving forward with it and keep moving forward with it. No matter what's thrown at you, no matter how badly you feel when you wake up that morning, when you wake up and you're in a lockdown and you've run out of coffee and, you know, the world's coming down on you and you've, you know, you've got to go and do three podcasts or you've got to go and make content or you've got to go and call those customers back or whatever it is you've got to do. I think, um, just the sheer practice of business is underweight, totally underrated. Yeah. 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 I definitely think, you know, one of my coaches, uh, someone I really look up to, you know, nine times world champion, surf ski paddler, long distance racing. Uh, and he, he just says perfect practice makes perfect. Uh, and you know, you just got to, you know, you know, to use a running analogy, you just got to do the miles and, and put another one in the bank. I, I did a 10 kilometer walk this morning. I, I, I don't have the ability to run the long distances I used to, but I still got to move. And, and for me, it was, mm. you know, we, the, the dog and I went and, and, um, you know, we can get around our loop in about an hour and 40 minutes and, and that's not a bad pace. Um, got a couple of hills in it. Lovely, lovely outlook. And anyone following my Instagram story recently will have seen that. Uh, but, um, you, you know, that's something to, to, to be thinking about. The perfect practice makes perfect. And, and so um, let's get, you know, we, we, before we kind of start the interview, we, we kind of started to touch on something which, which I'll give a bit of an introduction to that those that follow what we've been talking about here on Talking Business know that one of my biggest regrets is not going harder on Google AdWords in 2005, 2006 when the product came out, like started, got some success, um, and, and I'm disappointed in myself for not pushing through um, you know, I let, I let not having a, I, I let having less, a less than perfect website stop me from doubling down on, on the success we had with AdWords. Um, we're talking about analytics. Talk, talk me through, you know, how you got interested in, you know, in marketing analytics from being a, a tech nerd back in, in, in the yeah. mid two thousands. So I guess setting the scene, I had a, I had a, a you know, typical Kiwi business, right? I was just like blindly following the next bit of revenue that would fall in the door and then pivot and go and pursue something and fail and come back and go back to what we were doing. So I had a little IT business that, you know, we, we, we had a corner store, right? And, and people would bring their computers in and we'd fix them. And we would also have guys that would go out in the field and fix, fix IT systems. Um, and, and I wanted to grow it, right? And so I tried all of the, all of the, like, 
flyers in the mail and fridge magnets and, and radio ad networking. I had a yellow, I don't know if yellow pages, anyone, right? I had a yellow pages ad cost me thousands of dollars for like this size, right? With a few words. And because I was so tight with marketing, I wanted proof that any dollar I spent on advertising to the evil advertisers, uh, that was my perception at the time. I wanted to guarantee my success. And, and so I, I stumbled across Google AdWords and, you know, and, and someone introduced me to it, a website guy introduced me to it. And he actually, his name was Dave Kelly, Dave, kia ora. He helped me understand the whole upside downness that we approach marketing back then, um, which was um, get your conversion rate sorted before you start adding your, the top levels of your funnel. Right. Stop. Stop trying to advertise your business if no one understands what you're selling. Stop trying. To, right. So, so test. So, so we had reasonably uh, well tested that if people get to our website organically, a number of them are going to pick up the phone, which is what we wanted them to do, and, and talk to our person who's going to sell to them, and we're going to get some sales out of that. And we had that all documented over a couple of months, so we, we thought that was pretty, pretty, pretty good tried Google AdWords and analytics and it was addictive, right? You go in, you put an ad in, you know, and you, you'll know the, the joker, my first ads guru, the person that I've read a book about promoting my business was Brad Sugars, Action International, Action Coaching, right? And then, you know, I went from Brad Sugars to David Ogilvy in another book and then from David Ogilvy to Seth Godin. So I just read every book I could around copy and headlines and things and Put them all into Google AdWords. So the, the cool thing for me was I was just testing one channel for promotion over about three, four months. Um, and I did the whole A-B split testing. Do one campaign, do another campaign, do a third campaign, test them. Um, test them off to different landing pages. I did all of those sorts of things. And it became like gambling, right? Because I, you get this return just like when you pull the thing on the poker machine. And I, I'm not much of a gambler. But you get... You know, there's this whirring sound almost, and then you get these results. And for me, the results started making the telephone ring more. And it got to the point, and so I just, I created this spreadsheet, you know, week one, add one, add two, week two, and I just kind of did my own little analytics chart and then looked at the analytics and realized, okay, so this ad is getting people to the landing page, but they're not doing anything, so I'm going to focus attention there and... Just went through this process for about six or seven weeks, and I went from like a hundred dollars month one spend to about two thousand month three. Right? It was crazy because I just kept cranking it up, um, and the you know, business went ballistic. Right? The phone just kept ringing. We put pricing up. Right? I was like, "Oh, great! We can put our pricing up." Right? Um, and my favorite part of that process, other than the results, my favorite part was um, a hack that I've told many, many people, which was, how am I going to write a great headline? How am I going to write something that's going to, to really compel? You know, surely I'm not the first corner computer store, right? Surely I'm not the first person. Where can I look? So what I did is I just went into... Um, because a computer nerd, I VPNed myself into New York, and I started Google searching Manhattan computer repairs, right? Because Manhattan, I'm like, well, that must be hyper competitive. Th those guys must be great, right? I want to look at their landing pages. I'm just going to copy 
their magic. Screw this doing-it-yourself stuff. I'm going to emulate. And so I did that, and I found, um, you know, in terms of things that changed, uh, the, the dial of marketing for me, you know, one thing that, that moved the dial big time, we got double the conversion rate by putting the price in the ad. Right? Home computer appears, blah, blah, blah. Home computer appears, $89. Right? Doubled the conversion rate overnight. Right? The next thing that doubled the conversion rate again was, um, oh, gosh, what was it? Oh, putting the phone number in it. Right? Putting a real phone number in it. Even though we still paid for the ad, people still clicked it, but just the, the validity of having the phone number in the ad doubled our conversion rate and what quadrupled it on top so we're talking double double and then three weeks later after i poached this one phrase from the internet from new york um was adding this thing called risk reversal which was no fix no fee right so computer appears here's the price here's the phone number no fix no fee that doubled uh, that quadrupled our already doubled and then doubled uh, right, it was phenomenal what that did, right? And so, yeah, I think you would have loved it, <laughs> Kobe. I think, right, yeah. so the personality of wow, I can do this one thing and it can have this downstream effect. I'm in, I'm all in, right? yeah, 100%. The, be the beauty of it is, is, I was able to take all of those things and then apply them to different channels, right? Yeah. And that's why I, I'm still a big advocate of saying to people, you know, you want to test a headline, do an ad, crying out loud, right? Stop this. Right, just test twenty-five different headlines on Facebook. Throw a thousand dollars at it. You'll you'll get the answer you need to then do it organically, mm. or to put it in your email, or to do whatever you know. Yeah, it's it's um you know it's as some people know that like you know my biggest regret is uh is 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 starting that and figuring that out and then stopping you know and and so now I take that um to to any kind of you know greenfield space and right now that's TikTok you know that that um yeah. you know yeah we're, we're basically going you know we we just you know we just done a live stream on it you know right before we, we started recording this interview you know there's 165 million users on linkedin and 16.2 percent of those users check it daily there's 1 billion users on TikTok and 90 percent of those users check it daily so wow where's the attention right now clearly TikTok, and the numbers say that so so if you need numbers and facts to to double down on a channel right now, um, as much as you know th there are all of those channels in your marketing mix that um, you know don't you don't go all in on that, but but you have to pay attention to where the attention is, um, and th and that's my regret. But AdWords, you know, I, I think um, you know that advice, those two hacks that you talk about there, or the three hacks, um, definitely, you know, the the human brain is saying, um, you know, once it hears price. Your subconscious says, oh, hang on a minute, what do I get for that? Even if, you know, when you're presenting to a client or you're doing a sales pitch or you're a small, medium business and you're, you're marketing and selling, my, my rule, you must always say the price first because any breath that was used before the price was wasted because you have to say it again because the subconscious of the person you're talking to is trying to calculate, hang on a minute, and, and analyze, hang on a minute, let me try and remember what I got for that. And any breath that you say after the price is either used explaining to the subconscious the value that they're going to get, and that was why, why you're, you know, that's the, the psychology behind the AdWords, um, you know, conversion increasing and doubling is, is, 
you know, you, you want to see the price on the windscreen of the used car on the side of the road when you're driving past a used car dealership because you, you're like, oh, you know, can I see value in that? Um, and, and then, of course, the, the simple stuff, you know, the, the, the phone number and then, you know, then the risk reversal. So I think those are, those are three great hacks um, that, that Stu has got for you guys when, you, when you're listening to this podcast. Come back and re-listen to the recording. I want to just um, um, move the conversation just along a bit because you did touch on it just there. Let's talk about your thoughts on, on channel risk management. And, and, and channel strategy and, you know, like, you know, someone, you know, I didn't, for example, go into AdWords and, and at that time in, in, you know, 2000, it was kind of 2000 and uh, I think exactly the time that I turned it off was like 2011. You know, I think right. that that was, you know, we were using it kind of on and off and again, same issue with the, with, with the pages, but I think that's an example of not being in a channel when I should have been. But what's your, you know, just talk to the audience about and, and, and our listeners uh, about your views on channel risk management, particularly socials and, and other aspects. I'm, um, I'm forever tr terrified for people. I've got a client in New South, New South Wales, 250,000 plus audience on Instagram, spends hours a day doing reels, stories, really absolutely at the pinnacle of his industry's game in that channel has started thank god on tiktok right to de-risk himself from instagram and has an, a pretty good email audience as well and so when people uh so i'm a huge advocate firstly of of saying to people de-risk your channels please Right, because, um, and rather than name and shame channels or talk about what channels can do, I like to point out what are what are the channels there for in the first place, right? And each one of the channels we talk about that are social, well, they're businesses, and they derive their income from one thing, and that's advertising, Instagram, Facebook, advertising. So their incentive, and there's only a certain number of people in the world, right? So when Google started, I remember when Google launched, and I remember when Gmail launched, I remember when Hotmail launched. When these channels start, they get a really unfair advantage by getting a whole lot of investment capital from rich people, from VC firms, from large funds. They take that unfair advantage, they pummel the marketplace with above-the-line advertising, digital advertising, and they build this tremendous scale. Right, And then they get to this point of building the scale, and they give away everything. Right, And this is what TikTok's doing right now. They're giving away everything to build competitive scale. Once they have attained the scale that their investors and their boards and their strategic teams are seeking, they start then tuning down the algorithm and people scratch their head going, why is TikTok no longer giving me reach or engagement? Why is YouTube, right? Where did my YouTube followers go? How come now I need to find subscribers? What, what the hell? And, and what you've forgotten is you've merely been a passenger in their journey and you forgot that their journey ended up in their riches, not yours. They were never in this game for you. They just needed you to get there. So, Understanding that I think helps people navigate which channels do I then invest in, in terms of my time, my investment, my money, and how do I 
you know, what, what, what are the things that I can do to de-risk myself from an algorithm change, from having my account hacked and then banned, having um, an agency come on board on my doom and ban my Facebook account because they did something wrong in the ads, right, and then didn't tell me about it. Like, we've, there are so many risks. Um, so as I say to people for social channels, right, um, have a healthy couple of them minimum, right? So maybe if you're on Instagram, definitely TikTok. Maybe if you're on LinkedIn, then maybe Facebook as well. Or, or maybe Twitch, right, or something else, depending on who the demographic and psychographic of your audience are. And then the other thing I'd, I, I, I say is, and find a way, goddammit, <laughs> to get a direct connection to your audience. Email addresses, text messages, seminars, webinars, right? Find a way to get them coming to your thing directly, having a direct conversation. And, you know, the main reason there is, you know, have you looked at your engagement statistics lately? Right, have you have you done a post with a video on LinkedIn which took you an hour and a half to put together and it looks beautiful and you pushed it out and you've you've touched less than nine percent of your total audience that you spent years and that nine percent if you sent that same video to email with a reasonably good subject line you might touch fifty percent of the same audience. Right, so so just the sheer cost return on investment for um, uh, direct channels, in my opinion warrants a hell of a lot more effort in de-risking your channel mix does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely i i think um you know if you don't own it it's not yours it is you know for me you know and and i know you're an advocate for you know put effort into your website uh you know if you've got instagram or if you've got you know facebook or any of those channels and and you're seeing some success on it and uh, you know you get get spend as much time and effort on your website and your email list like i i 100 with you and 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 face the face engagement now you can charge people for proximity you know if you're a, if you're a product or a service business or you know whatever you're doing you can you you should charge people for proximity you know depending yeah. on you know what the product or service is that you're offering and and that's called fair exchange because they're getting some value from you and and they need to exchange value so i think that, that you know that's an aspect and that's that's where your return on investment is i i'm an absolutely an invest you know uh, uh, invested in email um and we you know we take our best content from the week um, paste the links to it into an email and send an email on a Saturday morning that this is the best of best. And if you can't be bothered to watch all our content and follow us this week, then just check your email because we just give you the best, you know, most popular posts of the week from our content. And so, and we've got people that want to just get the email and then they'll click through the links on a Saturday morning and, and say, okay, great. You know, I've got the update for the week. So, and um, we get a great open rate and great feedback on that. Um, and, Can I and ask a question on that? Go I ahead. Because I love to ask this, and I'm trying to do it in a way that's not going to ha have you, you know, spill all of your analytics out onto the internet. So yeah. I love the term relative engagement, right? Mm. So mm -hmm. if we take your social channels and your YouTube channel, which is kind of a social channel too, um, and we take your email channel, and let's say, um, you know, what, what would you say one against the other? So give me some examples of what would be your relative engagement of your email channel versus, say, some of the other digital channels oh, that you're on? 
it's easy to say relative, you know, email's probably 50%, you know, and that might fluctuate, you know, depending on the subject line, obviously, and the A-B testing could go from, say, anywhere from, you know, 15% up to 70 um, mm. depending on the, on the, you know, the context. And, and that's a constant battle to get through spam filters. You know, we're, we're seeing a trend in our email list of people moving to commercial Gmail um, and, and commercial Gmail is, is doing a better job of figuring out if an email is pro of promotional nature and sticking it in the promotions tab. Um, Office 365 isn't doing such a good job of that. So we get a better open rate with users with Office 365 than we do with Gmail, for example. Uh -huh. So we're, we're seeing a, you know, just, and that's just A-B testing email. Um, relative engagement rate, very high relative engagement rate with TikTok um, uh, because it's a, it's a new platform and we're getting um, new subscribers and new followers uh, on that platform. And because they've recently subscribed or followed and we're growing very quickly, we're getting high, relatively high engagement rate 20 to 25%. Uh, LinkedIn, as an example, uh, LinkedIn polls, relative engagement around about 10, sometimes 15%. LinkedIn shared post, uh, less than 0.01%. If I just share a post, uh, a LinkedIn post um, with just an image, uh, you know, a, a nice image of something that's happening and maybe a bit of text. It's not a curated image. It's got text overlay or anything like that. A 1% um, of, of the audience. So, you know, those are kind of really rough numbers. However, what we were saying, what we were seeing on LinkedIn polls, if I go back, um, say, four months, we were seeing uh, a 1,000% as the engagement rate of with a poll on my account on LinkedIn. So we would post a poll uh, and we would get uh, 10 times the audience um, that were, you know, that we, that, you know, yeah. at 35,000 subscribers, uh, we would get, you know, 350 to 400,000 views and then, you know, thousands of, you know, we might get 10,000 comments, for example. Um, and, and so that's, that's what you talked about with the algorithm. They're like, right, we need to get some buzz in the, in the platform before we rate, raise our advertising, um, you know, opportunity. And then right at the end of that, and people will say that LinkedIn's plummeted in the last couple of months, we noticed uh, in the feed that LinkedIn increased. They went from an ad every four posts in your news feed to an ad every three. So they had a significant increase in the available opportunity because they saw increased demand from advertisers. Um, so exactly the, the scenario you talked about has just literally happened on LinkedIn in the mm. last, you know, um, you know, in the last couple of months, what, what was that driven by? They didn't do so well. LinkedIn advertising didn't do so well in 2021 in the pandemic and that's published. Uh, and so 2022, they've said, we need to ramp up our advertising revenue. What are we going to do? Well, if you're going to push in more ads, you've got to push out organic content. So, you know, they're running a business. So with what, um, just, just taking, uh, the, the, um, I just want to kind of come back to something that you talked about in terms of de-risking your strategy. When you were running an IT tech business, did you not tell your customers to have a backup? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. So you got to back up. You got to back up, right? You can't. You can't just have one source of truth. Like it's, you know, you got Instagram. You got to have a backup, right? So, so run your backup. So you know, it's. Ah, it, uh, look, it was. I, I love that analogy. I really, I had lots of coaching back in those days, and a, and an, a really amazing sales coach. He taught me how to open conversations with prospective clients. And he said, just go through, 
the last 20 clients, 30 clients that you've signed up and find out and remember all of those. What, what were the, what were the, what was the one reason they came to you? What was the, because most of, you know, in, in B2B, when we're in a B2B world, most of our clients are in a saturated situation. Very rarely do we get a new startup business or a business starting something where they, where they have the absence of a contact. So we're usually competing with someone. And, and he said, just fi- find the thing that was strike three from the, pre- for the, from the previous. Find that out. Write them down. Right? I want you to find them all. Came back, had my coaching session. He's like, right, you know, what were they, Stu? And I said, right, number one. And I, and I didn't know this, right? Number one, the last IT company said we had backups, but we didn't, right? And um, now I'm in marketing, right? And the number of times I've had people, you know, reach out to me. When I was doing consulting, I'm doing more coaching and programs now, but when I was doing a lot of consulting and agency stuff, there's a lot of people saying, you know, oh, we, we, our our website wasn't backed up, right? It's a channel, right? They had no backup to that channel. Or um, or our social media account got hacked and we just lost it and we're just fed up because the you know the IT, the, the digital people that were looking after this channel for us didn't know what to do. We, we needed, you know, we need more horsepower. And it's, it's a phenomenal thing that people think, you know, that, that marketing's any different, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, during lockdown, um, I got a, I realized, oh, wow, I'm stuck in this office, right? So, so after renovating the office and making the background look kind of nice, and it's, it's just a shit show in front of me, but after, after updating um, how I looked, I went and, um, you know, I, I phoned all of the different um, telcos around because I realized, geez, my business is now reliant on a backup internet connection. Mm-hmm. Right, and if I don't have that, wow, right, mm-hmm. forget forget the need, right, mm-hmm. and I'm saving all this money because I don't spend money on fuel anymore. Yeah, so yeah, you know, but it's been um, but it's been wonderful, right? Because here I am in my place talking to you. Yeah, um, how you good know, is this it? morning? Uh, this morning I was talking to you know over a business networking group that we meet every day, talking to people all over the country. Mm. Um, you know, and I've and I've worked with clients in the last three years throughout the world. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. That's a good opportunity for me to touch on the thing that I wanted to touch on next. And, and I'm just going to make five statements and, uh, and, and then we'll talk about them. The, the first one, and this is for the listeners, and, and, and then we'll get Stu to, Stu to talk about it. Um, statement number one, you're busy, um, you're busy doing the business things all day, but when it comes to marketing, you feel incomplete. Statement number two, you see other business owners out there doing great work in marketing, but you're unsure where you should start. Statement number three, you've got all the social media stuff, a website, perhaps even an email list, but it's kind of piecemeal. We've, we've, we've touched on that. Statement number four, you've had a steady stream of experts take your money, but you're not sure what you're left with. And statement number five, you're sick of banging your head against the wall and want to start, you know, get started and sort this marketing crap out once and for all. Talk to me about those five things and how you can help. <laughs> so the guy's reading from my website, by the way. Right? So, and the uh, www.potent.marketing. Um, thank you. Thank you. And the heading above that is, does this sound like you? Right? Because this, this is my voice speaking to the small business owner out there 
who's struggling with marketing, right? And and as I've said a couple of times in the last week, I could be making a shit ton of money working at a corporate right now, and yet I chose three years ago to to just forget about consulting, forget about agency stuff, forget about you know that side of things, and really work with small business owners because when 2008 rolled in, which wasn't long after I started marketing, we had this thing called the GFC, right? And we crapped ourselves, right? Because really the, the, the news went crazy. The, the sky's falling, the sky's falling, right? The property market's dead, America's dead, everything's... And, and guess what? Everyone believed it and, and then everyone followed and people stopped spending money. And that trick didn't just trickle, that, that tsunami came all the way through the economy and a lot of people lost their jobs, a lot of business owners lost their businesses, a lot of people had a lot of pain. And, you know, I lived through that and I was lucky enough to be confident at that time of my abilities, right? One of the abilities that I had built was marketing. Another ability that I had built was sales. And so I felt back then, I, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to double down. No, in fact, I'm going to quadruple down, right? I'm going to kick ass. And so I did. I, I went, I marched out to my team and said, we're in, we're in the shit. I need you guys to do everything customer focused. I, I can't even talk to customers anymore because I'm going to be growing our customer base because we're going to lose a portion of them, right? So I'm working on attrition. And if we survive this with everyone's jobs, and then I've done my job, you guys have done your job, are you with me? And so it was, a great, it was a great moment. And by and large, it worked out. We lost some huge clients, you know, who went under. And it was so tragic. And to watch that happen, watch people's 20-year business just go bang, vaporize, was, was awful. And so along comes, you know, um, 2020. And I'm freelancing and doing some stuff for businesses. I've got a couple of reasonably large gigs doing what I love, love doing. And I, I just saw business owners out there terrified, right? Utterly terrified of what's this pandemic going to do for my business. And, and so I, I went, you know, you can help, right? And most of them, you know, so, so I kind of built a business around rather than throwing more social tips at people rather than throwing more uh, channels, more cute advertising, whatever it else, because there's an abundance of that. Why don't I help people take a, take one step back and really have the ownership of and, and the confidence to look at their own business and go, you know what, this is my customer. How do I go after her, find a channel and find ways to, you know, find their own ways to connect with, engage with, and then, you know, win over the heart and mind of that customer. And I, when I when I felt that that was something that I could do, I, I kind of didn't stop. I just went, you know, this is it, right? I'm going to coach people. I'm going to uh, do some courses and do some programs. I'm going to give away all of my knowledge. That's another thing that I've been doing for the last three years over this pandemic period is, is uh, I made a determination that if I give away all of my knowledge, people are going to trust me. And not one of them is going to be smart enough to go back through every one of my posts and put them together in the right order to do anything meaningful with it. And if they do, fair play. 
<laughs> right? Fair play to you, mate. You know, have it for free. So, um, and so that became just a little bit of an internal call to arms to me, which was you can help people. And if you do this right, you can help people and still put bread on the table, still do the things you love doing, like ultra running and have a lifestyle. You can do this from, from your back room, right? How cool would that be was, was where I was at. And so going very, you know, right down to those kind of points, those statements that you've read from my website, it was, it was the same that, that marketing, marketing and sales coach had taught me years ago, which was when you're trying to find your people, your tribe, your customers, what are, the, what are they speak, what's their inner voice saying to them, right? And if you can put that into words, then they're going to find you and you're going to make those connections and um, you know, and then you, you know, and, and if you can legitimately help with each of them, that's the other one that I find is an abundance of offers in marketing. Um, and quite often, you know, people are let down, which is that last point, right? Where people are yeah. coming along, you know, here I'll yeah. I'll do this thing for you, make your new website, make your landing page. Oh no, no, the content's your problem. There's your page, it's empty, right? Or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. I'll do you a new. I'll, I'll do you some new content, right? Great, but you need to post it, right? Or, or here's a new video, and you need to chop it up now, and you need to do this. And small business owners, man, you know what a lot of what I think a lot of people in marketing, you people out there in marketing, you agency people don't understand is a lot of your customers they've got to empty the rubbish bin at the end of the day, right? Right, they, they've got to clean up. They, they've got to be the first in the office because I've got the only person with keys, right? They're the ones who are then taking their laptop home, firing it up after they put their kids to bed, and they're doing and they're paying your, paying the wages, and they're, they're stressing about cash flow and doing those sorts of things. And you know, having been one of those people for many years, I've got this real deep empathy um, for that situation, and so I just did not want to be part of a solution that didn't work for those people, right? And I know, and this is the other discipline that, that someone taught me years ago, I know that what I do will not work with a 5 to $10 million business with 25 staff and a marketing team, right? It's just, it's just not enough. There's not enough bandwidth or horsepower. But, but I'm cool with that as well, right? It's, um, and that's a fun place to be because you can then be really, and I've, I've seen it in you, you know, Kobe, you can be quite emboldened in your decisions. You can be quite confident and, you know, there's a million soapboxes. This one's mine and I'm going to stand up and talk every day about it because, you know, it's, yeah. A, it's important. B, what I have is of value. Yeah, that's awesome. So, look, um, I want um, I want anyone listening uh, to, and, and you know, it, it, it is a, a, a very obvious blatant plug that uh, go and check out Stu's website, which is www.potent.marketing. That's that's correct. You heard it correctly. It's it's www.potent.marketing. That's the website. Some great content on there. Tell me, as as much as we do have channel risk, what's your favorite platform right now? Where would you like people to go and check out your content? On oh, my favorite channel for me. Yeah, right now. Yours oh, 100% you, LinkedIn, right? right? LinkedIn. L LinkedIn is my jam. Yeah. Um, I find people behave on LinkedIn, so I like being there, right? I, I look at social media as a, it's more of a, a room you want to enter. Yeah. And there's rooms on social media that I don't really enjoy entering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. And and certainly some of the rooms I I enter on social media, maybe I'll enter, but I'll just watch from the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. Whereas LinkedIn is is 100% stew. I'm doing lives. I'm doing content every day. Um, And that's where I give away lots and lots of free workshops. So if you want to find me, find me on LinkedIn. Thank you. So so Stu Lee's on on LinkedIn, and we'll drop the handle and the, and the link to that uh, pro, his profile page there in the comments below the YouTube video, and uh, in the show notes on the podcast. Stu Lee's from Potent Marketing. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, when's the next run? What's the plan after recovering <laughs> from COVID? What's the plan? Um, I am booked and paid for. Topo 100k ultra marathon in October. Wow! So the training has started for that. A little bit of a little bit of a gap in the training program because of you know catching COVID last week. Um, and my doctor has told me to stay off running for a couple of weeks yet. So, yeah. But yep. I'm you know it's we've got to have things that stretch us in our future. For me, that's really important to have a thing in my future that's really going to push me, and that, that, and also that make us really enthusiastic. Whether it's kayaking, whether it's having a baby, or, or finally going on traveling, I think it's super important now more so than ever that human beings have some kind of limit stretching and exciting and brings light to your eyes things to look forward to, right? Yep. That's mine. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Talking Business with Kobe Simmett, the amazing Stu Lees. I want you to check <laughs> him out on LinkedIn. You can follow his progress, light progress on uh, – he kind of gently goes into the Instagram uh, and a little bit on Facebook. But check out his website, potent.marketing. Stu, it's been an absolute pleasure. Lovely having you on the show. Thank you, sir. Very, 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 very fun to be on. Cheers. Thank you very much. See you soon.